Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Kevin. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of your favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. All right, so welcome back to episode two of our breakdown of Big Trouble in Little China, 1986's uh, John Carpenter and Kurt Russell movie. We're going to get right into things. Uh, where we left off is uh, Jack and Wang were headed to the airport to to pick up uh, Wang's new bride, her fia- his fiance. Yeah. So uh, when we start off with this, this episode, um, you see the airplane pulling up and then you see... Um, uh, just a beautiful woman who show her face in yeah. the in the in the airport in the airplane window, and so it's established that that's uh, yeah Wang's I mean, fiance. I did always think that shot seemed a little out of place, just because it's a weird. I don't know. It's sort of a weird way to introduce the character. Like your mind does kind of leap to the fact that I guess that's her. Yeah, but you know, it's not like oh here she comes and then they cut to her face. It's just sort of like a. A, well, a random close-up. If I'm not mistaken, I think that uh, Wang shows a picture of her. Oh, did he have yeah, a picture when in the they're truck? in the when they're in the truck? Wang shows Jack a picture of ah. her. So that's how you know who she okay. is. That makes so, it make a lot more sense. Yeah. So then they show this picture. I thought it was actually a really cool establishing shot of her. No, that is good. Now yeah. that I, I thought that was your very first time seeing her face. Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. That makes more sense to me. So I want to tell a little story about th- this actress. So the yeah. name of the character is Meow Yin, but it's played by Susie Pai. So Susie Pie is a 1981 penthouse pet of the month, <laughs> and she is absolutely gorgeous. But yeah. I, the, the thing I found really interesting about her is that she's got this extremely exotic look, right? Like, yeah. just, you're like, no way this lady is from America. And she's from, like, Toledo, Ohio. Like, <laughs> I don't know, for all our Toledo fans out there, I'm not trying to, like, rag, rag on your city or anything like that. <laughs> but I cannot imagine Toledo, Ohio being, like, the hotbed of, like, hot Chinese women. You you know? think, like it's, uh, so do you think she's like the pride of Toledo? Uh, no, like, uh, she had to have been like Miss Toledo. Had um, to have been. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm taking away from the penthouse story is what you're telling me is that the, the pictures are out there. If there you want to there's search, photographic. Go to the Google machine. Yeah, there's photographic proof of this. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so she was also in like um, uh, Sharky's Machine. I think that's where she, which came okay. out in like 81, uh, Burt Reynolds film. Uh, that's where she got her really big star. I think she played like a blind prostitute in that film. But um, okay. yeah, she, yeah. It's all they, about the eyes with her. It is, yeah. And I'm pretty sure she had as many lines in Sharky's Machine as she has in this film. Okay, like, they they were just call. like, you're hot. Don't say anything, though. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're introduced to uh, the um, Miao Yen character. So uh, Jack and Wang, they pull up to the airport and they're kind of waiting in the airport as for... This is back in the days where you could like walk right up to the gate. Right up to the gate, right. Yeah, yeah. you can almost probably see the airplane right there. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're waiting for um, Miao Yin to get off the plane, to get her stuff and get off the plane. And we're introduced to another huge character in the movie. Oh, uh, yeah? Gracie Law. Yeah, Kurt Russell, or I should say Jack is like really smitten with her right off the bat. He's yeah. like, who is this over here? You know, he's yeah. checking her out from across the across baggage claim or whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? This is Kim Cattrall playing yeah. the character. Like, what are your 
thoughts on her in general? So uh, I'm a I'm actually a big Kim Cattrall fan because um, the the thing the they didn't actually want her for this movie because Kim Cattrall at that point was only known for like raunchy comedies. Yeah, she Porky's. Had, yeah, she had done Porky's. She had done Police Academy. So she wasn't known for like this type of film. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But always comedy, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, I guess if you. There's like a the raunch factor, like you're doing like uh-huh. like Cinemax type stuff. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what man, she was known especially for. Porky's. Yeah, oh, Porky. She was. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but she really nailed that character. Like she really like if, if I think of Kim Cattrall, I think of Sex in the City, and I think of Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, not, then, not mannequin. <laughs> which she made right after this movie. Uh, this was like this was probably until she got Sex in the City. Like this was her hot streak, you know. Probably like yeah. some some successful movies back to back, getting a lot of work and like big, at least you know movies that were expected to do well. Yeah, but yeah, but I'm a yeah, I'm a big Kim Cattrall okay. fan. I, I've never I've always been on the fence about her in general. Just I'm not ever sure if I really like her or really dislike her I like her attitude I like yeah. her like she's her, real sassy she's real it? sassy she's kind of like no holds barred and some people can't do that some people can't pull it some people come off like an asshole when they do that mm-hmm. and she, I never she didn't she didn't come off like that to me yeah like I like it's like some people are endearing in their sassiness and and that's the way she is to me like I could put up with her. So you could see why Jack likes her? Well, she's also gorgeous. Yeah. So, she's got that for yeah, sure. Yeah, so she's also really good looking. So he's initially attracted to her because not because of her brains, but because of her look. And um you got Wang is like rambling about Meow and how beautiful yeah. she is. He loves she's that got, woman. Oh, she's got beautiful green eyes. Mm-hmm. Very rare for a Chinese girl with green eyes and like Which I don't even know if I don't know if that's true or not. I I'm just like basing it, it on the movie. But um they're laying it on real thick, like that the green eyes must be relevant. What other what other type of combination is rare? Like a blue eyed Irish woman, like a blue eyed no. redhead Irish woman, like probably it, like a you know like a black man or woman with like light eyes mm, is yeah. pretty rare. You notice about Kim Cattrall, or maybe you don't, the Gracie Law character, like. She always looked a little weird in this movie, and it's because she's also got green eyes. She's got colored contacts in. Yeah. yeah. Her and Susie both were wearing colored contacts because they both have um, brown eyes yeah, naturally. Yeah. I don't even know how rare green eyes are. I, don't you think if, if green eyes were were um, common among Chinese women that they could have found an actress with green eyes? Or do you think they liked Susie's look so much? That's that, true. So are green eyes just like kind of an offshoot of hazel? Yeah, I mean, my eyes are green. Really? But I think your eyes are green. Yeah, you I've never have, known that. We can get up. We can get up close and personal after. <laughs> <laughs> Turn into a whole different podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I mean to be light eyes in general, you have to. Both your parents have to have light eyes, or to to be green eyes. I think maybe both your parents have to. I don't know. That doesn't make sense because my mom's got brown eyes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so it there's it is a little more rare. It is. Yeah, you know, it's rare, obviously. Yeah. But I just didn't know how rare it is. And for it to be like such a... I mean, it's like one of the sticking points of this film is how True, rare... the movie hinges on yeah, the rarity like how of how rare eyes, that she green has eyes. green eyes yeah. is, is like a huge selling point. So Jack and Wang are there. They're waiting for uh, Wang's fiance, Miao Yin. Uh, they see Gracie, who is there also waiting for somebody. We don't know who at that point. But uh, Jack sees her from afar. He's like really attracted to her. He walks up to her. And he basically starts hitting on her, like, and I, and he has like a, she has like a really funny line, if you want to say it. First, it was weird to me that Wang warned Jack, stay away from her, she's trouble. 
Which like, establishes that she's known in the community. Yeah, I'm wondering. I mean, to me, it's a little. I don't want to say far fetched, but it's it's just how do you get known in the community? Well, she must be mixed up in a lot of stuff. I guess. So I would imagine they that uh, Wang lives mostly in Chinatown, right? And so yeah. a white female that walks around Chinatown, they can't be that many. That's true. So that's so she really sticks out in that community. That's probably how he knows who she is and all about her and everything like that. And she seems like after we know what she does, she seems like some kind of a, a female sex trafficker advocate yeah like human rights or whatever yeah so she's probably really well known like just very boisterous in the community she is a do-gooder yeah i don't yeah i don't she's a yeah that's weird because she is a do-gooder she's like a good person but like wang says she's nothing but trouble like i don't like where is she trouble but uh i I guess he's trying to warn her don't fall in love with this 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 girl of course it only makes her more alluring yeah 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 but yeah you said so he goes he puts he's Flips that uh, swagger switch. Yeah, yeah. He goes over and starts trying to chat her up. And she's like, you know, I don't, I'm not going to talk to a man in your condition or something like that. And he's like, well, let's talk. What's, what's wrong with it? And she's like, uh, have you, you been downwind of yourself? Yeah, it's Miller time. <laughs> it's like, I like that they rolled in the airport just reeking of beer, oh, like on yeah. zero sleep. I mean, they're probably still drunk. Oh yeah. <laughs> they, they left the, they went straight from uh, playing cards all night to straight to the airport. Let's, these guys are not like that stand-up heroic type dudes. Neither of them, really. I yeah. mean, they're both sort of. If you're Mao Yin and you get off the plane and your fiance picks you up at the airport, He's drunk, drunk as hell, like <laughs> with, like, his, oh, I'm with his buddy, yeah, and it's and, it's like, <laughs> and he just hey, lost a thousand dollars. Guess what? Hop in this big rig, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know who you just arrived in America, but we got to go to my uh, restaurant and pick up like a thousand dollars to pay I this lost, guy off because <laughs> I. To go with the other thousand that I already lost. (laughs) And you know, Jack wasn't going to let him get in a taxi. Oh, no, no way. It was like, hop in the pork chop express. And she was going to have to like sit on uh, Wayne's lap (laughs) for bags and everything like that. The good thing is, luckily, we don't ever get that far. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But just the the visual of that is just funny. We see that Gracie Law is there waiting for somebody else. And this is another Chinese uh, lady. Her name is uh, Tara. And... As, as uh, Jack is talking to Gracie, this gang of hoodlums walks in and kind of disrupts everything. And we come to find out that they're the lords of death. They're like this gang that thrives throughout Chinatown. Right. And Gracie kind of warns Jack, like, you know, oh, hey, don't don't mess with them. Like, kind of leave them alone. It does let us know that Gracie, like, is, I guess, very familiar with that turf. Yeah. You know? There's the one scene where there's a little bit of comedy that's added to, the, to Jack's character because, like, he's trying to hit on Grace but he turns around and looks at Wang and, and as he does that Gracie walks away and he, <laughs> and he turns back around like this this the old lady kind of like smiling him the down the elderly Chinese woman yeah and yeah. Wang just has like a big laugh at him so <laughs> I, I like I really appreciate the fact that Kurt Russell was willing to like kind of poke fun at himself as a character in listening to the commentary uh, Jack John Carpenter really praised Kurt Russell because during that time a lot of actors were all about like how they were seen on film yeah. like they wanted their the big muscles and they wanted to be seen as like heroic and everything like that and Kurt Russell was totally fine with kind of poking fun at himself and looking like the buffoon looking like the yeah. clown I love like, that the very anti-hero type uh, characteristics or like it was definitely anti-establishment at that point like most characters weren't played like. Yeah, he, that. like, let himself play the fool. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of comedy added to Jack's character. And 
Kurt Russell does just such a great job of of humanizing that character. Uh, true. Where yeah, where it's like you you're laughing at him, but you're like laughing with him, not really at him. Yeah, he's a likable guy. Yeah. It's Dude. a very complex like scene, this scene, the way it's all set up and there's so many moving parts, you know, going on. I just it's very elaborate. When uh, when Gracie reaches out to Tara, yeah, um, that's when the Lords of Death kind of like pop up and they're like they look like they're coming to to take her, to take Tara. Uh huh. So it's like this guy bumps into that guy yeah. and then that causes a distraction and yeah, it's just a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So they grab Tara and then Jack Jack intercedes and this is like probably the first time we see his heroic side like. Like I don't, I don't wouldn't have, I don't know. Would you have jumped in? What? <laughs> like, no, if I you mean, saw somebody trying to get snatched, I, there I for sort it? of think he was only doing it to try to impress Gracie, myself. But yeah, he sort of was like, "Hey, buddy," or you yeah, know, yeah, kind of yeah. grabs him. Dude whips out like a butterfly knife and's doing some knife tricks. And I do like he's like, well, "Where'd you get that?" <laughs> he's <laughs> like, "Where'd you get that?" He pulls at? out the club as well, like a little extendable club. Yeah, and he's like waving him around and it's tripping him out. That guy is Jeff Amata, who was just like a little a bit actor. The um, unknown to John Carpenter or anything before that. They're just like, yeah, he's just the guy that they cast to show up. He, you know, done a lot of acting parts and stunt work or whatever. But I'm telling you, like, Hollywood is weird. It's like timing and being at the right place at the right time. Because this guy, John Carpenter tells the story, like, he just sort of come around behind the camera after a take and be like, how was how was it, Mr. Carpenter? Yeah. You know, how did it look? <laughs> yeah. Is there anything we can do to make it better? And I guess he and Carpenter hit it off because he started making him like stunt coordinator on his movies. Yeah, that is a that's a really cool story. Like, I mean, I, I guess that's how Hollywood used to roll back then. It's like yeah. you, it was all about personality and like hard work and everything. And that dude, Jeff Amata, check out his IMDb page because mm-hmm. his like his career as it is like really took off after that like he's got so much work so many credits in like big hollywood movies i feel like i'm really persistent but that hadn't worked out for me like i mean you gotta my, be at the right place <laughs> i guess so i have I to be know. it's a combination of persistence and being in the right place at the same time i also should point out like we we missed the first visual entrance of the lords of death but like the one guy the one guy's sunglasses i feel oh, like yeah. I need to mention they're like these white plastic sort of like the shutter glasses but it's just got like one little slit that like is sort of I mean, I feel like for 2017, they would never let that on film because it's kind of like racially insensitive. Yeah. So knowing what we know, John Carpenter went out of his way to have like people on set that were um, there just to make sure that he was being sensitive to like uh, the the Chinese Mm -hmm. culture. Um, But yeah, I feel like those glasses might have slipped through. (laughs) I mean, and before before watching it really critically for this. Like, I'd seen the movie a bunch of times, and it never really stuck out to me as like, oh, that's like not a good look for them. But more of just like, these guys are punks, you know? So they're like, you know, this is like their version of like being counterculture or whatever. Like being like sort of throwing it in back in people's faces like, yeah, I'm Asian. What's up? Yeah. So what I will say about that is that although they were slits, they weren't slanted. You know, like if they had been slanted, then that would have been like in your face, like racist. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah, true. The Lords of Death snatch, they try to snatch Terra. That's when Jack intercedes. Uh, and then Jack and the Lords of Death get in a fight. And I forget how they that all gets messed up. But, but, but somehow, the Lords of Death end up taking uh, Meow Yin. Yeah, that, and this is where just, the she seems to just be the one standing the closest to him. Yeah, just like this, she didn't. She was. I don't even think she was looking at the fight. She was just kind of laser focused in on where Wang was. Yeah, and heading in his directions and. You can actually hear one of the Lords of Death like yell out, "Just take her!" 
Yeah. Uh, so we they do think it was just random then, right? Totally random. Had, bad luck from Didn't Wayne. plan on picking her up at, at all, which is interesting how it plays out later on in the movie uh-huh. because uh, she has green eyes and they yeah. then they picked her up. Do you think they were just looking for the first pretty girl coming off the, I think they off were. the plane? I think they were like, let's just snatch the first pretty girl and we're going to enslave her yeah, into our basically. brothel. It's pretty they, dark, really. Yeah, but yeah. They, they <laughs> kind of play it light. Yeah. Now Wang and Jack are pissed. Like they're like, uh-huh. not only did they get into a fight with these guys, but now they took Wang's girl. So they they take chase after these guys, run into the uh, carport or the car garage <laughs> yeah. after them, and they're they're being Gracie's they're, down there. Gracie's with down Tara. there. Yeah, and, and they're like, where, where, where'd they go? And she's like, over that way. And then they're like, call the police. And she just takes off in their car. <laughs> right? Like, like hey, where's the, the help at? <laughs> I thought you were like a do-gooder. Yeah, yeah. She just hops in the van, and I also just think it's odd that a lawyer's just driving this beat up like windowless van that she was driving just brown and dented up like she's not i mean i guess she's not the type of lawyer that makes a lot of money because she's doing a lot of sort of like charity work i feel like she probably takes a lot of pro bono cases yeah honestly she's probably one of the good lawyers because she does it from the heart not for the money I mean, so. obviously, like this is before cell phones or whatever, but still, Gracie, like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> she was, she was gone. Yeah, yeah she was. Call she, the, she call peaced the cops. Out. And I gotta, I gotta say that the fact that she's a lawyer and her name is Gracie Law, I wasn't. That's just weird to me. A little too on the nose. Yeah, that's probably not a character that was in the first, the Old West script. Maybe not. Or she was probably like a prostitute or mad. Or wasn't or named that. I mean, there definitely was not an Old West female lawyer. Or maybe she was going to be the school teacher. Or, is you Law know. and like an Asian surname? Maybe mm, maybe she was the character was Asian. Could have been. Yeah, maybe they just like kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I think, th- so this scene I think is really important because this is where it establishes Jack's total involvement in the film. Yeah. Because um, the Lords of Death have now captured uh, Meow Yin and they're just driving at a break- breakneck speed trying to get out of the garage. The little red sports car. And the Pontiac Firebird. Firebird, yeah. yeah. They almost run over Jack and Wayne. Mm-hmm. And Jack is just totally pissed at this point. Like, he's already mad because, you know, they assaulted his friend. They assaulted him. Right. But now they tried to run him over. And now he's like, <laughs> sons of bitches must pay. <laughs> good delivery, too. Yeah, the way he, the way he says yeah. it. I, I will say, I mean, Jack did save Wang here. Right? Like, he shoved him out of the way. Wang seemed like he was content they look, get hit by the car. They look like a couple of deer caught in the headlights. Uh-huh. And if Jack hadn't moved, they probably they would have gotten yeah, hit by I the car. Yeah, I don't think they were swerving. The no, 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 no. They were going to hit him. I, I, so let's say they did hit him and killed him. Like, I don't <laughs> think that would have been the first people that the Lords of Death had, <laughs> no, had ever no killed. No, no, no. These, do, these dudes were like some bad dudes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Somehow, some way, right there in the Porkchop Express, I was, we were, I was talking to you before. Like, where did they park the big rig at the uh, airport? In the airport? They parked it on the tarmac. The, they, they, they parked it in the day parking lot okay, for like seven dollars an hour. But I don't know how they got it under like that little That's sign saying, that says like man. clearance of eight there's, feet. There's no place to park that truck. At Again, an this was like 1986. Like you could probably you you probably could park on the carmac or the tarmac yeah. and just pick <laughs> people up straight from the plane back then. Like especially in California and, and Chinatown. And this, like, he was taking up hella parking places in the parking lot, though. Like, he was probably, like, taking up four or five spots. Why a semi-truck? A semi why not just, like, a Ford pickup or something like that? I guess like to haul that? the pigs? I mean, I guess he needs something that could haul a lot of pigs, but yeah. yeah. but was that something that was established in the 
original uh, screenplay and they just kind of held over like they couldn't have updated that part know. of it. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of questions raised. Yeah, he was like, well, drama. in the original screenplay, Jack brings pigs to the city. So in this modern update, Jack still brings pigs to the bring city, pigs, yeah. but he but we can't do it in a, a Toyota pickup. So we have to do it in a semi truck or semi truck. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it seems very big and cumbersome. It's almost yeah. like a, but it, it's almost like another character because they show it so much in it's the got film. A name, yeah, yeah. It's like a, but, and somehow they're like cut to they're on the highway and like the they're like right behind the fire. Uh, you mentioned that, and I'm like, I have to see that yeah. scene again just so I can see them they, chasing after that pond. They get cut off in traffic, but like the firebird is, you know, you know, whatever, right in front of them, 500 feet in front of them, or something. It has to be the firebird. It's it's lucky, I guess, that Wang seemed to know where those guys hang out. Like he he made some mention of that. Yeah. They're like, oh, I know where their hangout is, or they hang out at this club, or whatever it mm-hmm. is. They follow them and they pull up into this this alleyway and I guess I don't I don't know if they're still in Chinatown. I have no idea how big Chinatown is. So I feel like they left Chinatown but then went back to Chinatown. So I mean you've been there, right? Yeah, like is it's, Chinatown that big? Um it's in downtown San Fran and there's not a the airport is kinda out of town. So it's mm-hmm. probably it's gotta be at least a thirty minute drive from downtown to the airport. But is it a thirty minute drive from one part of Chinatown to the other? No, Chinatown's pretty small. Yeah, that's what I was figuring. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I don't know what, it might be a hundred, it could, it's probably not a hundred square blocks, but like 10 by 10, but it's, it's not huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they pull into this, this dark alleyway and as they're driving down this, this, this alley, they see like this, well, they don't see it. They like this old man kind of like passes them and yeah. Turns out that this is going to be low pan. We don't know that at yeah, that moment. Yeah, the actor James Hong. Yeah, we were talking. I'm not sure if this guy is supposed to be low pan though. Like the thing is, like he doesn't have much screen time, and he's. I don't know. It's just like they show him enough that it's conspicuous, but it's like to me, low pan is either the old guy in the wheelchair or the guy with the white face makeup on, the yeah, all tall and everything like that, like. If there's a third persona that he can do, yeah. like I feel like they only used it for this split <laughs> second. Right. They only make they you make a really good point. This is the only time they show that side yeah. of Lopan. Part of me sort of feels like maybe he just wanted like a to have a, his face in the movie where he wasn't covered in makeup. You can tell that's James Hong. Yeah, yeah, yeah and we'll have to do a, a better introduction for James Hong later on. But like. Yeah, this isn't really it for him. Yeah, <laughs> like this is, yeah, no way. <laughs> they have that little brief scene and like, you're, he just looks like an old, like, bum, basically. Like old, like Yeah, a, he's just a dude walking yeah, down the alley or whatever. Like just walking down like a dark, dingy alley. <laughs> we did kind of blow past um, Egg Shen and yeah, the, his like sort of formal introduction. That's such a weird... He's driving the tour bus. Yeah. He's like cracking jokes. I don't understand why they have him. I, I don't even know if he's cracking jokes. Actually, he's just like he's just giving him a history lesson. He's really. giving him a tour. He's doing his job. But it, the, just the way he says it is funny. His his delivery is really In good. In Chinatown, this beautiful morning. <laughs> he's like he cracks me up, man. Yeah, the way he says stuff. And you see here in this beautiful morning, yeah, yeah, he's just like he's he's killing it for me. I love but that 
particular scene adds nothing to his character, you know, it other than the fact. I mean, you got to think if it weren't for that opening scene, yeah. they'd at least, I guess, let you know that this is a guy in the neighborhood and you'll see more of him later. I wonder if they had already edited the movie and then they were like, oh, we got to go back and film this That's scene to make it more heroic. And they just left that scene in because there was really no reason for that scene to be in the movie. Uh, th- yeah, he kind of, and really, I mean, he's, didn't he run his bus off the road? Basically? He does. Like, he, he shouldn't be pissed at these guys. That would have been a really good introduction if we didn't already know who Action was. Yeah. Because you would have been like, oh, it's like this timid tour bus driver mm-hmm. who gets run off the road and then turns out like he's a super badass later on in the film. But we've already established that he's the super badass. They probably, they made the movie, they shot the movie. They were like, oh, we need to, we need to have this reshoot to have this introductory scene and yeah. they just left the action part in there because they could have just gone straight to Chinatown and left that whole scene out. True. They're chasing him down like this kind of secluded alley and as they as they pull into like this miniature opening, they see like this funeral procession uh, down the way and they're like, I guess they, they stop and they're being kind of like respectful of the funeral. Yeah, or even I mean, though they can't still, get past, I guess. Yeah, also. and they're kind of stuck also. Yeah. As they're looking at their side view mirrors, they notice that uh, another group of, of people are walking down beside them. So the people that are walking beside them are the Wing Kong, which yeah. they're, they're the red bandit people. It's really good that Wang was there to like just tell us, these are good guys, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh no, uh, these guys, like Jack, you know, they see the other guys coming, he's like, let me guess, they were black with a red turban. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Yep. And it's, you know, you can see that tension's building. Speaking of old westerns uh the good guys were wearing white and the bad guys were wearing black of course so um but would we have gotten that if because if they had just pulled down that alley and we didn't know that the that if wang hadn't said these are the good guys these mm-hmm. are the bad guys we'd have just we, we would have just seen like a big fight we would not have we wouldn't have known who were the good guys the bad guys i mean they did a pretty good job with casting i feel like like for what it's worth that the bad guys like looked bad they yeah. look like some bad dudes plus they came out with they already had knives drawn and yeah, stuff like that they were ready to fight um, when they came out yeah it was like you could kind of tell I guess who looked mean and who looked friendly I guess that whole alley set was like a sound like wasn't a real street in Chinatown it's like all a back lot yeah, yeah. you know it's pretty like when they turned into that alley it was like they went back in time yeah it was really I impressive. thought it was like a you know, tight alley and there's like bird cages and stuff. It's like, you know, the steam's rising and everything was very, very atmospheric though. Have you ever been on like a, a movie tour or anything like a Paramount no. or anything? I've no. never been on one either, but I've always wanted to do that and to see how they create a, an entire like city block on, yeah. like a, on a set. It's incredible. Yeah. Like I would love to see, see that I think they say on the commentary John Carpenter says they're still using that set like they never they never broke it down afterwards yeah. like, I think he was saying that like Janet Jackson or Mike, either Janet Jackson or Michael Jackson filmed like a music video music there video. Yeah, and yeah. they're probably to this day still using that set yeah I mean it's a great set it's yeah. like very you would never it like really comes off as real yeah yeah what about the wing Kong, like the dude who's out in front leading them, like the <laughs> he's very familiar face to action fans. So I, I might get his, his last name wrong, but this guy's name is Al Leong. Yeah, I sounds believe. good to me. Yeah, and Al I Leong, mean, yeah. he's been in Die Hard, he's been in Lethal Weapon. He was the guy that shocked Murtaugh 
He's oh yeah, he's uh, Endo, like the torture artist yeah. or whatever. And uh, Die Hard, he was the. What do you remember from Die Hard? Like, what's your most memorable? Oh, when moment? he got the when he grabbed the candy bar. Candy bar, the yeah. Justice Crunch. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> That's it for him. Oh, man. absolutely. It'll, like when it, when he dies, they'll put that on his tombstone. Well, what about um, Genghis Khan? He and was Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. He played Genghis Khan. I he's very memorable in that too. Like wielding the baseball bat. Yeah, he's mostly famous because of his mustache he's always uh-huh. got the same mustache with a look yeah he's like kind of bald i think he's bald with long hair and a bald, mustache and a fu manchu. really full long fu manchu like type mustache yeah. yeah but i mean this dude has been in like a lot of like action flicks back in the 80s oh yeah and, and i checked him out he was in addition to getting killed in lethal weapon he was also in lethal weapon 4 really? as like just one of the random you know like uh, gangster dudes i guess okay i have to look again and look for him uh, that and, dude is he's uh He's one of those guys that just always shows up in a film and yeah, you're like character guy. Yeah, and you doesn't have a lot of lines and but you know he's got like a mansion in like LA somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a look to him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely always and I think I'm pretty sure he's still alive. I'm sure he's, he's pretty sure he's to, with yeah, us. I think yeah. so. Once these two uh rival gangs kind of meet, they look like they're about to have like this giant standoff and um like like a hand-to-hand standoff and then all of a sudden they pull out all these like guns guns come yeah. out of nowhere like yeah. machine guns and one guy pulls out like the six shooters again going back to the original screenplay where this was probably based on a western I wonder if they did that on purpose like mm-hmm. if Carpenter was like just did slight nods to the original I could see that yeah little western touches yeah so he um, I'm surprised they didn't have like a tumbleweed come by <laughs> <laughs> when they were doing that but um so this guy pulls out these two six shooters and starts shooting up the place, and then they pull out like these even uh, bigger like machine guns and start blowing each other that's away. Cold blooded man to shoot up a funeral. Yeah, yeah, that's got a lot of that's a lot of hate involved right there. But I, I did learn one thing. Um, this that fight right there was based on a real war called the Tong Wars that was in a lot of cities, but mostly in like San Francisco and Chinatown between these two like huge uh uh chinese gangs that were fighting for like drugs prostitution uh gambling is basically their version of the mafia you know Mm -hmm. and uh so i I thought that was really cool because you know when i initially saw the movie i was like oh that's just two gangs that they just randomly made i didn't know that that was based on actual history that is good to know. I mean, it makes it seem a little more respectful, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think John Carpenter did a really good job. It was the best of his ability to being respectful to uh, the Chinese culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he had somebody on set at all times that was like, you know, double check that kind of stuff. Okay. I, I think he has a lot of admiration for it. I know he'd always wanted to do a martial art, arts film. Now, the good guys also have guns all of a sudden, and they're like shooting back. And it, it's kind of weird that they were packing heat. At a funeral, At a to funeral. me, a little bit. I don't know, but uh, I feel like they're probably used to um, having to get in a fight. True, it might pop off at any time. Yeah, so they're always carrying. Like they just probably didn't expect it back then. That's why the guns were farther back. It was kind of like a team violence too. Like a lot of guys were getting shot, but there was no blood. I also thought it was weird that you know they are showing knives and swords and stuff like that. Then all of a sudden, everybody's got guns and they're shooting back and forth. And then all of a sudden, everyone puts the guns away. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they ran out of bullets. I don't, yeah, it's, <laughs> it is kind of weird. Like, why didn't they carry that fight out longer with the guns? I mean, but knowing what little I know about Chinese history, fighting with a gun would seem weak to them. 
they'd have more respect for somebody that is a hand-to-hand combat fighter than they would ever have respect for somebody shoots yeah. somebody for a gun. So I think that probably has a lot to do with it. Like, it's not just about who can kill each other. It's all about who can dominate each other. And, of course, anybody can just shoot somebody. Yeah. But if I can actually beat you up with my and show my strength, uh-huh. um, that, to me, is a lot more powerful than don't, just shooting someone with a gun. Don't you think, like, the Porkchop Express would have gotten shot to hell? And this because dudes were just spraying bullets everywhere. I'm sure it did, but I don't know if they just didn't care about showing that. Like, I feel okay. like there was a scene where Jack and Wayne were trying to duck bullets. Yeah. But they, I don't think they were like, they were just kind of like, just, you know, don't think too much about that right, right. there. Right. Let's not worry about it. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. That last big moment, though, is um, Al Young again. Like, he sort of screams a big primal scream and then both sides start running at each other. Yeah. I actually can't wait till we start talking about this part because there's a scene in that movie that I, till this day, can't even watch. Like somebody <laughs> gets their arm broken and I can't watch oh, it. Oh, I'm ready. I, I, oh, I can't watch it. So that right there takes us to the end of episode two. Yeah. Um, make sure to check us out for episode three. We're going to talk about this giant fight and the thing that I can't see. All right. We'll be back. All right. Talk to you later. <laughs>